where we, a real-life mother and daughter duo, rewatch Gilmore Girls and discuss the misadventures of fictional mother and daughter duo Lorelai and Rory Gilmore. I am Tessa Dare, a writer and the author of the paranormal mystery series The Karans and Chronicles and Beth's Daughter. And I have had one Seattle Fog latte today and I'm now technically on my first coffee. Though a Seattle Fog latte is black tea, so I don't oh. know coffee 1.5 i guess <laughs> no 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 tea is not coffee but <laughs> <laughs> Ca- caffeine uh, 1.5 it is caffeine so we're both kind of on a different caffeine bent this this day but anyway i'm beth tessa's mom and also a writer tessa and i have been talking about politics art and culture pretty much since she could read Sometimes these conversations have taken on a marathon quality. So last year, it occurred to us that we should move our discussions to the digital world, maybe even into a podcast. The Gilmores seemed like an obvious choice because the story resonates with us. I was a single mother of a teenage daughter attending a private school we could not afford. And many of the show's plot lines touch on topics that we like to discuss. So here we are. I am in St. Louis. Tess is in Seattle. No coffee for me today because I've been a little sick this week, but I do have a caffeinated, carbonated soda. Not diet, because that'll kill you, as Luke would say. Is it a Dr. Pepper? Yes. <laughs> uh, and we a now Saint, have... A St. Louis specialty. No, it's actually a Southern, <laughs> Southern specialty. Uh, and we now have a Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash where you lead. Uh, Every week, we will start off with a synopsis of the episode, along with the date it aired, before heading into our discussion. Today, we are discussing Season 1, Episode 16, Star-Crossed Lovers and Other Strangers. It originally aired March 8th, 2001. And uh, for the brief episode overview, it's a very, like, springtime episode. Love is in the air. Luke's ex-girlfriend returns. And Rory Mm. and Dean get into a very big fight. You know, I'm just I'm remembering what I, the, when I took my notes last week that I don't think I wrote anything down about Luke's ex-girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> because she seems so unimportant to this particular plot. But anyway, I don't know how long she sticks around here, but I do think she's a recurring character. I think she comes up. I think times. she is. She yeah. becomes. Yeah. But in this episode, I think she's only in one scene. She's referenced in a couple she, of other scenes. She might have been she's in two. She's in two scenes, yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, yeah it's, it's not a lot of screen time. Uh, so we open with a with Miss Patty doing a voiceover. It's a it's a long shot through the town. Uh, we pass through multiple different characters, including Rory and Lorelai, and uh, at least one person that I don't think we've ever seen before. It's another opening where they. Uh, it's a one. Cu- there's no cut. Yeah, there's no cut. From- one yeah, from, for about a couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, for... And, and the, the fun thing about the Miss Patty scene is that she's telling a story that's a synopsis of a story about star-crossed lovers, and you think it's Romeo and Juliet. and But then you get to the end, and it's not. <laughs> it's a description of the star-crossed lovers because they liter- literally met under a quote-unquote starry sky. Yes. But these are the founders of the town. Yeah, it's, it's sort of the town mythology. And I know this probably won't mean very much to you, but it's possible that some of our listeners may have also seen Avatar The Last Airbender. There's a town in Avatar called Omashu, that has almost this exact same uh, myth as its origin. It's like Mm. a town that exists between two uh, supposed ancient cities and the story it's it, i mean it's very similar except they're they they got they both got lost in a cave and they found their way to each other through the cave and then they founded omashu anyway yeah. it's just really funny to me that those two i mean i think avatar was a little bit later than gilmore girls but they were on it a pretty similar time and this story is like kind of the same it's a small town myth for how their town got started and it's a star cross 
Lost Lovers story. So okay, so you're not talking about the movie, right? No, not not the not the James Cameron movie. What I'm talking about is a children's cartoon from Nickelodeon uh, from the early 2000s that lasted for three seasons. The way that I have described it is it's very like Harry Potter, but like Buddhist. It was made by two American guys, but the style is pretty influenced by anime and the world building is very Asian influenced. Uh, and mm. the character of the airbender is sort of like a magically powered Dalai Lama because every time the airbender dies they get reincarnated as a new person uh, although unlike the Dalai Lama the airbender can be reincarnated as any gender <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> anyway so it, it, it's just a one episode of this show they go to the town of Omashu and they hear this story that is very similar to the story in this show and I just thought it was kind of funny that like as she was talking I was like this sounds exactly like the story of Omashu well do you want to tell the the origin story really quick the story that miss patty is telling is the story uh, is the story of two star-crossed lovers from houses that didn't like each other who decided to meet up and uh the stars guided them to each other and then they founded the the town of stars hollow luke later on uh openly states that he doesn't think this story is true it doesn't honestly sound very true it sounds like a myth that they made up at one point to make the town seem more interesting or something and well and uh, they're not really star-crossed in the sense of how we we think of that term because star-crossed means that they they never get together but these two get together right yeah i mean star-crossed just means that they're ill-fated uh so ill-fated but they're not they found the town yeah they, they, they found the town and they don't they they didn't die i think star-crossed usually means that you die <laughs> but yeah they did get together and then at the end of her story uh miss patty says okay now who wants to hear about the time i danced in a cage for tito puente it was the summer of 66 and all the kids raise their hands it's so yeah. wonderful to see yeah <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of it kind of seems like probably half of the point of going to a dance class at Miss Patty's is to listen to her stories. Her stories. She's a great storyteller. Yeah. So the origin story is the back story for the Founders Firelight Festival, which is what they're setting up in that intro uh, scene where the camera is following people crossing each other and it, <clears throat> and, it, and it never cuts. So it's one long shot. You've got Jackson and Lorelai and Rory and Lane and Suki. You see pretty much the whole, the most important members of the cast. Then there's the Founders sign and then you cut to Miss Patty and her summary at the dance school. There's lots of other people in the town in the background. And then the Tito Puentes, uh, comment which i thought was adorable so then we get to dean reading and waiting on rory getting off the bus so that's the intro scene yeah and then with the second scene uh after the credits is dean reading and we did talk yeah. about i think in the last our last podcast that he's a reader he is although the thrust of this scene is that he doesn't feel like he is as much of a reader as rory which is probably mm. true she's constantly reading yeah uh, and he is for her sake he is reading Anna Karenina and I, I was honestly a little bit confused by this conversation because he says that it's depressing and okay spoilers for a really old book but Anna Karenina it ends with the main character killing herself Daughters, yeah she, she throws herself in front of the train and so yeah. he he tells Rory that he thinks it's depressing because she throws herself in front of a train and then she tells him that he needs to give it another chance which I'm just like does she want him to read the whole book twice? Because if he got that far, that means he has read That's the, the end whole of it. book. Yeah, what, why what is, is he still the even reading? Chance? <laughs> yeah, like what you you want him to read it again? They they have this whole back and forth where he's like, I think maybe it's just like going over my head, and she's like, No, no, Tolstoy wrote for the masses. Though she concedes that it's a bit difficult because it's Russian and the Russian names are a bit difficult and it's really long. But then she says like he needs to give it another chance, and I'm just like, he already read all of Anna. Karenina for you you want him to read it twice what what is this other chance that he needs to give it he read the whole well book okay but this is a understand. discussion that you that you and I have had because I loved Anna Karenina and yeah. you hated it I didn't, um, I didn't hate it I just didn't love it well and this is a story of ill-fated star-crossed lovers not really star-crossed but kind of ill-fated and so that's why it's probably why they choose that book rather than another but I loved Anna Karenina. I think I think you were right in your criticisms of it that it, that she is, you know, a woman uh, who's who's limited, and the writer is a man, and he and he he makes this world for her that 
is not really something well i i I don't know there are women who've written stories like this women writers that's that's Um, not the thing no my 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 issue with the story is that i felt like tolstoy wrote a female character that was just like a a feminine ideal for him and sort of fell in love with her Mm, and then and then he misunderstands her problem like he positions the big problem the big like theme of the book the choice that she has to make is between her love for her child and her love for her lover Vronsky uh and she ends up choosing Vronsky and leaving her child behind with her husband and that kind of destroys her because she's both like cast out by the world and because you know she she's separated from her child and she can't really get him back because since she left her husband, society is kind of on his side and he's allowed to keep the kid. So Tolstoy positions this whole thing as making the choice between your love for your child and your love for your lover. And I was just like, that's that's not her problem. Her problem is that in neither one of these relationships does she get any autonomy. The thing that to me drives her to suicide is that even after she goes to be with Vronsky, she's not really ever allowed to be her own person. And I just feel like I'm not sure that Tolstoy got that that was the problem. He, he seemed yeah. to just see it as this star-crossed lover story and having to choose between one love versus another. And my feeling was, no, it's that your entire society is designed in such a way that no woman is allowed to make a choice for herself. So mm-hmm. that's... This is written in, written in 1877, and mm-hmm. I just looked it up, and I... I did not remember that. I think what I liked about it was the prose. I really liked his writing. Um, I liked the way he, and, and it's been 40 years since I, since I read it, so don't ask me for details. But but just the, the flow, the, the, the language, I did not like Anna that much. Mm. I remember that. But the yeah. story overall, actually, I think, I can't even remember if I liked Vronsky or not, but, um, but, but everybody I, else. I did not. I thought well, was probably a I didn't either, and and I also couldn't understand why she would choose her this man over her her child unless it was a way to get out from under, you know, the societal strictures of of a woman, and that's the only thing she could be as a mother. So, but that's not what's going on here. She goes from from the the pot to to the to the fire, yeah. <laughs> and it's not really that. But but I did love the writing in it. I mean, I have have never been one to read really long books, and that was a really long book and I finished it and you're right asking him to reread this is incredibly stupid it's just not stupid it's just like what it's a lot yeah <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> like it just it would make I mean I, I think it's like it would make more sense if he was a couple chapters in and she was saying you got and I, th- I feel like that's the feel that they're going for and they're just sort of banking on most of the audience having not read it because if you've read it you know that what he's talking about happens at the end of the book so he's read the whole thing yeah I wouldn't be surprised if the writers hadn't read it either so there you go yeah anyway yeah, so she, <laughs> so this is a town that likes celebrating getting back to the Gilmore Girls and one of them says that to the other one and they wrote it down I can't this is a town that likes yeah. celebrating and I Do wrote you, you think yeah. month long celebration when they when they got off the septic tank system <laughs> yeah. and for this for this founders day they have rides and oh no maybe it was with the septic tank system they had rides and a petting zoo to celebrate getting off the septic tank system I think some of that was her being sarcastic but I'm not Could sure at, at which point <laughs> it became sarcastic because it does seem like at the beginning she's being honest and then at some point it becomes a joke i don't know when Mm -hmm. it becomes a joke but yeah yeah i mean they're you know this is they're having yet another festival we saw them have that big combo thanksgiving slash halloween the fall festival and then they had like a big winter festival that wasn't christmas it was about their the the other like old town story about the the revolutionary war uh and now now we're having a sort of founder's day celebration and and you know rory loves this part of the town she loves the celebrating she loves these traditions and yet she has she she seems astounded that dean wants to celebrate their three-month dating anniversary so (laughs) 
that that was kind of funny. But yeah. um, okay. I mean, my my like little pet peeve about this is it's not an anniversary. A- anniversary, the word includes the concept of a year. Anna from Anos meaning year. You would think, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. He, he Dean wants to do a, a big celebration with her for their three month quote unquote anniversary. He's he's got a whole thing planned, and she needs to get out of dinner with the grandparents in order for it to happen and yeah she is kind of thrown by this i mean this is her first boyfriend that both means that she hasn't like experienced anything like a three month three month anniversary before and that she's kind of just trusting dean to sort of lead the way well it isn't a year anniversary they are pretty young 16, 17, we're still not sure about how old they are. <clears throat> but so for them, three months is a long time. How long do do teenage relationships typically last? So three months may, may be a big deal. And, and, and it does turn out to be a big deal as we find out later on. But yeah. I think what's really going on here is that Dean has this whole other thing planned. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, un- unbeknownst he's... to us and Rory, he's planning to say I love you for the first mm-hmm. time. And he's got he's he's done something amazing for her yes. uh, that comes with that that declaration of love. So yeah. anyway, but but they get to the kitchen where Lorelai is and she's asked he asked her mother to do this for her, to call the grandparents and yes. She might be able to talk them into it. What she doesn't really get, and this is what I was kind of astounded by, is that Lorelai, or Rory, excuse me, could get anything she wants from these grandparents. Lorelai, yeah. not so much. So I don't know why she asked Lorelai, but it does give us the opportunity to see opportunity to see that Lorelai does not cook. I don't think yes. that's been obvious before. I mean, I know they eat out a lot. She orders pizza a lot. She eats salad out of a bag where she pulls the dressing in. Yeah. But I don't think I realized before that she does not really cook. And she doesn't. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think this is the most explicit they've ever been about it. But I do, I, I'd kind of assumed before this that she doesn't cook because her parents don't cook and because they eat out so much. So where yeah. would she have learned to cook? Uh, mm-hmm. But before we uh, keep going, I did just want to mention that at the very end of the Dean and Rory scene, we see the troubadour again, just briefly. Oh, he's, yeah. He's playing he, yeah, a song. Yeah, he pops up there. So, he's yeah, he's he's getting repeat <clears throat> viewings now that he's been sort of introduced. But anyway, that yeah. That Costello lookalike. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the joke here is that Lorelai wants to make hamburger helper, and she's, like, so unfamiliar with cooking that she refers to the concept of making hamburger helper as real cooking. When I think most people I know. would consider that that's cheat cooking, <laughs> all you have it's, to do it's, is it's terrible, boil it's pasta. unhealthy, it's it's disgusting. I mean, it is a it is such a joke in popular culture that almost every sitcom at some point mentions mentions hamburger helper. That yeah, as as kind <laughs> so, of like low grade, easy to make food. Hamburger, you make it with hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she jokes that she forgot the hamburger. Lorelai, when she's uh, about to call the grandparents, she kind of imagines what their response is going to be and has this sarcastic, the, oh, they're, they're so happy. They're cabbage patching <laughs> is one of the things that she said, which I believe is a dance move. <laughs> I don't actually, yeah, I don't know what the dance move is, but I'm pretty sure it's a dance move. I I just assumed it was because Cabbage Patch dolls always are smiling. I think Cabbage Patching is is a a dance dance. from from (laughs) that time period, and I don't know what the actual dance is. But yeah, uh, to her surprise, when she does call uh, the grandparents, Emily actually immediately agrees and is totally fine with it. Which we should have been suspicious about, frankly. Yes, yeah. It's a little suspicious. <laughs> it's a little suspicious. Oh, and I just want to point out here, this is just a production thing, but as they are getting up from the kitchen table to walk, as she's walking around the table, I think, with the phone, or else as they're getting ready to leave the room, I can't remember now, but a boom mic shows up in the scene <laughs> as she walks by the table. I had to back it up and, and make sure that's what I was seeing, but it kind of drops down and then drop pulls back up really quickly, and they don't edit that out. It's like, did you not see it? 
Did you think nobody else would? I mean, either they didn't see it or maybe they just didn't have the ability to reshoot the shot or something. Or they thought they got it so perfectly that they weren't going to worry about it. I don't yeah. know, but that's kind of, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, uh, then the next scene is a, a brief scene back at school where we're kind of reinforcing this whole love is in the air thing. Uh, Tristan has a new girl and he's making out with her against, uh, I think, both Rory and Paris's locker. He's like, he and this girl are fully blocking the lockers. I did have the thought that this girl kind of looks like a knockoff Rory. Mm. Yeah, oh yeah, she does. And the girl is also really rude. She tells Paris that she has a long forehead and bangs would help her hide it. So Mm. I don't have a ton of sympathy for this girl. But also the weird thing to me about this scene is I don't feel like this would have been allowed at most I had the same thing in my notes. Seriously, why would a private school allow this? They wouldn't. A public school wouldn't even allow it. And here's the thing. As I'm watching that scene, scene, I was remembering what my public schools looked like, my junior high and high school. And there were always teachers standing at the door, waiting to, you know, watching the hallways, Mm -hmm. you know. And admittedly, I went to a huge school. There were a lot of students. They had to do that to make sure there wasn't fighting and the kids were walking on the right side of the hallway because that's how many kids we had. If you didn't walk on the right side you know it there would be a, a traffic jam so yeah but teachers were always standing at the door and you know on Abbotdale Elementary the teachers stand at the door and welcome the kids in so yeah. I do think that that is a standard thing in schools I don't probably it wasn't at your high school because it was so small did the teacher stand at the door and welcome you in no because there really wasn't it, it, it was my my high school was in an old house and there yeah. really was not a uh, room for the hallway. that. No hallways, but, yeah. But there was definitely supervision. And if people were just standing in the middle of a busy area making out and a teacher yeah, saw them, right? they would absolutely but, have gotten in trouble. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I do think that my school probably had more opportunities for teens to make out. But that's because the grounds were kind of expansive. Like, our, our classes all happened in one building. But there were also, like, dorm buildings and just, like, grounds that people were able to walk around in and we weren't in class all day unlike most public schools where you only get like a couple minutes in between classes Mm -hmm. uh, we would often have 35 minute breaks Mm -hmm. so I do think the kids would were probably technically able to like sneak off into the bushes and make out but that doesn't mean that they were would be able to make out like in the middle of the hallway where anyone could see them (laughs) yeah Yeah, I just this is definitely you have to suspend disbelief here I I just yeah I just don't think that that would happen at any school. A public one for all the reasons that we talked about, they have to maintain order in schools that have so many students. Private schools, because there's a certain behavioral decor (laughs) that they they expect you to to abide by their rules and also i feel like for both because the the teachers are accountable to the parents and if a student comes home and tells their parent that they saw people like making out against a locker the parents are gonna have to deal with that complaint you know yeah yeah i do remember seeing i do remember seeing a couple passionately making out in a back stairwell once when I was in high school. And I was so taken aback by it. I mean, like, it was like a prelude to sex passionate. That's, that's yeah. how bad, it, that's how intense it was. And I thought, oh my God. First of all, how and why would you do that in public? And and secondly, why were there no teachers watching the the back stairwells? And, and then I let it go. I forgot about it for years. But I just still, looking back on it, I was kind of appalled. So, but but it is also telling that it was in a back stairwell where there weren't yes. teachers. Nobody like, could see them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These two people were right in front of lockers in a busy hallway. It might yeah. not have been as busy as my high school, but there were students walking back and forth, commenting on it, mm-hmm. whistling. You know that the whole thing. Where were the teachers? That's a question at Chilton all the time. Where yeah. are, where the, are teachers? the teachers? Yeah, the Chilton appears to have one teacher, and that is Max Medina. And I guess he yeah. didn't catch them because he was too. Busy busy making out with women in his classroom so. <laughs> oh man uh, yes. yeah okay right. anyway so then we we cut to Lorelai who is at the inn and she also has to watch people make out there's like a couple I know. making out in a chair 
I just have my next thought is, but then everybody at the everybody end is, is making out. What the fuck? So I, I, I think you know, it's like I looked at the date again after after I saw this the scene. And I actually paused it and pulled up IMDb, and it was March eighth, whatever. So it's not it's not a Valentine's it's Day Valentine's episode, Day. but, but it's I guess spring, spring I think, is in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, whatever. Spring is anyway. in the air. Love is in the air. Spring is the traditional pagan season of fertility. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone needs to make out, I guess, uh, including Michelle. Including who, Michelle, who's on the phone to somebody. On the and, phone. and I feel like we're playing the pronoun game here where it is not clear if he's talking to a man or a woman. Did he you never says. notice that? Okay. Never says. And it's a very passionate conversation. I mean, yes. he, he says some endearments, some sweet Mon endearments. Cherie. But I, my next note is it's just not Lorelai's day. No. Everybody else has somebody. And then, and then she almost gets killed killed by a falling star literally she's 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 depressed by all these people who have girlfriends boyfriends are making out and Mm -hmm. including her daughter um not making out but has has a boyfriend and then she's walking across and suki and jackson are kind of in an intimate scene when she when she comes across them and almost immediately she almost gets killed by a falling star that somebody has hung and it breaks it's so heavy it breaks on the ground yeah so if it had hit her it would have killed her and it's just like a foot off so yeah and the guy says something like this never happens and she's like really (laughs) (laughs) then she does enter luke's diner and she is kind of overjoyed to see him because she knows that he will be totally unaffected by Mm -hmm. this feeling of love in the air. He will be bitter and angry as always. And at first, he is. Uh, He's very cryptic. He says just the right thing. And Lorelai smiles this shit-eating grin. And she says, you are full of hate and loathing, and I love it. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, they, um, Patty and Miss Patty and Taylor are hanging out in the diner, mm-hmm. which I'm starting to develop my fan theory that Miss Patty and Taylor are best friends because they are like mm. always like in in the in the one where Christopher was there. I th- feel I think it's Patty that calls Taylor. Yeah. So I I just I feel like they are they are the town gossips and they are best friends. But mm-hmm. the, yeah, they're they're hanging out at the table and they're arguing over the story and uh, the story about the town. Uh, and Luke uh, says something like the town of Stars Hollow probably got its name from the local dance hall prostitute because <laughs> uh, he does not he does not believe the the story. And Lorelai makes I don't remember exactly what she says, but she makes some kind of exclamation about how she's so tired of hearing about this story. And Miss Patty and Taylor both look super affronted. And then Luke jokes that she's bipolar to like explain away her <laughs> outburst. And then Miss Patty's response is, really? But you're so young. So I don't think Miss Patty knows what bipolar means. <laughs> I, I that one completely threw me because I thought, wait, is was there ever a time when when people thought bipolar illness <laughs> only happened person. to older people? Well, I, I think, yeah, I think she just but doesn't but know still, what it means. It's still it's adorable. It's an adorable yeah. thing to say, and and it made me laugh. So I, I don't care. <laughs> I feel like it's like a, a knee-jerk reaction or something. She just heard a medical term and sort of assumes it's mm-hmm. an older person thing or something. Or she was being a smartass. Yeah, because Miss Patty is very funny and very witty and very smart. So that, yeah. But it's possible. <laughs> but anyway. But anyway, so Lorelai's day has been pretty bad up to this point And it yes. gets just keeps getting worse because because rachel shows up rachel shows up luke's ex-girlfriend rachel who is a photographer who travels the world is beautiful yeah she's gorgeous she has beautiful curly hair Mm -hmm. she she comes in and she's got you know the light shining on her and she looks almost kind of angelic and luke is totally thrown for a loop and kind of stutters and eventually says i thought you were in the congo or philadelphia or something (laughs) And she says, uh, well, I was in the Middle East, which is sort of like both of those places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he, he shows up, or sh- sorry, she shows up, and you can tell that Lorelai does not really know what to do and kind of tries to smooth the conversation between the three of them before mm-hmm. eventually just excusing herself and running out of there. Well, and before she does that, Luke introduces her as uh, Lorelai, who works at the inn. Yes. And she says... I run it actually. This is not the only time she's going to say this yeah. in the episode. So for at least twice, maybe three times, but at least twice, she has to explain to somebody that she doesn't just work there. She runs it. 
Yeah. But, the you know, the whole love is in the air thing. She, realized she realizes that she misses Max. He hasn't called her. He did say he would. He would be in contact with her. And, you know, it's kind of unfair. Why did he get to decide? After pursuing her so incessantly and her finally giving in, and then he calls it off and says, I'll call you. Why does he get to make that decision? Why does does the guy get to decide if they're going to have a relationship or not? That really pisses me off. Yeah, I also, um, like, for me, I feel like it's really hard for me not to, especially in this moment, just see Max as, like, an arbitrary obstacle for Luke and Laura because it, it feels like what's really happening is if it weren't for Rachel this episode would be pushing her closer to Luke but then Rachel shows up and because Lorelai kind of hasn't really accepted that she might have some feelings for Luke she just assumes that like oh this is just me feeling awkward and what's actually happening is that I still have feelings for this other guy which just feels a little bit out of nowhere to me because you know he, it, it felt like Max was just barely in the show even when they were dating you know there were multiple episodes when it I, seemed like... I don't like... think it's Max. I mean, I think she focuses on Max because she's feeling lonely. And nobody else is alone. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's, she's the only one. Even now, Luke is not alone because he's got Rachel, yeah. um, who is back in the picture, whether or not she actually is. It looks like she is. Yeah. And I think that, you know, she she got through the Christopher episode. This is Lorelai. And realize that he that that was not going to work. Yeah. Then she focuses. She turns returns her focus to Luke, and then she's having a great conversation with him, and then walks his past. And and I think it it does also like you know it's not even just that Rachel is his ex girlfriend. It's that she's beautiful and she's really cool. Like being a mm-hmm. photographer and traveling the world is a really cool career. And you could almost imagine that being an alternate career for Lorelai. You know, maybe a Lorelai who did. She- hadn't had a baby but on the other hand there's a reason why they didn't work out and the reason is that luke is not that kind of person he he stayed in town uh we think and and built this little business which is the same thing that lorelei has done she came to this town she settled in she built a life and a business and a family and and she is not this woman she can kind of look at her as what if but at the same time, she's not thinking clearly because there's Luke stayed, Rachel didn't. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so then we get a scene of Lorelai brushing Rory's hair and almost pulling out all of her hair. And then Rory gets her to stop and says, I just think it's a little early for Dean to see me completely bald. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so she's she's helping Rory to uh, get ready for her date with Dean. Uh, and then as she's helping her, I believe oh, Lane shows should- up. We should we should back up here and, and and say that the reason for the three month anniversary on Dean's part is to take her out to a fancy restaurant. Yes. So they are gonna it is a dress up thing. Although I'm kind of amazed when they get there at how small the table is. Yeah. It's like a bistro French yeah. bistro tiny co- uh, table where you would only drink coffee. So. Yeah. It's that small. But anyway, yeah. so they're getting she's getting ready for a, a really fancy dress up dinner that she may never have done before, even with yeah. her mother. I mean, she does kind of dress up for dinner at the grandparents, but yeah. but this is a special thing because it's a boy. Yeah. So uh, so she's so um, uh, Rory is brushing her hair, as you said, yep. and is pulling. It's, it's she's hurting her. Yeah, she's hurting her. So Rory gets her to stop. And then uh, Lane lets herself into another part of the house and calls. And this to is her a great story. <laughs> And uh, actually, and then, this the story sets up a great visual later in the episode. But but go yes. ahead. Lane shows up. Rory and Lane talk about their um, respective nights, and Lane is super impressed that it's three months. She says that's like one sixty fourth of your life. <laughs> um, and she and, does that math really quickly too yes uh and she wants rory to make sure to tell her all about it later and rory is like well you should also tell me all about your thing and, mm. and lane's like i don't know why you would want to hear about that i'm going out with this guy's entire family uh and rory well, asks he- her is is he another future doctor and she says a future chiropractor i think mom's losing confidence in my prospects, in my prospects. yeah it's great and and she does say that she that the whole family is going with them and and yes. and we will see that later on. But uh, it's it's hilarious this this ongoing thing with Lane getting fixed up with these medical professionals mm-hmm. who whose whole entire families accompany them on their dates. It's just yeah with these it's, sixteen it's awesome. year old future medical 
professionals. Future, yeah. Yeah, I thought he's is he he's he's older though. I mean, most of these guys she gets fixed I, up I'm, with are older. I'm not sure, but they're 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 never actually doctors. They're always future yeah, doctors future because they're Korean, coming from a, future yeah, Korean doctors. Exactly, they're coming from a family that has also like already determined the whole course of their life. But yeah, so then we get uh, Lorelai showing up at dinner at the grandparents' house, and I, I I feel like I think this almost every time they show up for dinner at the grandparents' house, but it is just crazy to me how formally Emily and Richard dress inside their own home mm-hmm. like no one ever takes off their shoes I think that was really getting to be this episode no one ever takes off their shoes they're always dressed like they're not even at the office but like at a fancy dinner party or something yeah always 24 I think it I think it is a thing it's a it's a very old tradition and they are yeah. old money family yeah to to dress to dress for dinner Mm-hmm. If you, you you never watched that TV show on PBS. Donna Reed. The, no, well, that's not even, uh, that start with a D, though. Uh, Downton Abbey, where oh, yeah. they, they dress formally for dinner. It was just a thing. And it's kind of a holdover from that. And although, wow, it's 2000. <laughs> it's 2001. But it's almost 100 years later. They're still doing this. But anyway. I did watch, um, uh, I have seen Gosford Park. And I do think there's a whole thing in Gosford Park where the, some of the maids are talking about how like half of all, half of what rich people do is like change into dressed. different outfits for different mm-hmm. events. Yeah. Yeah. And half their staff helps them get dressed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the, kept, kept the maids in, employed. So yeah. But she walks in. And again, it seems like a different entry to me, which I, I don't know if they're using a, a different set. I think they're just shooting it a different way, but it did look different. It to could me be. Too. It, it seems like when usually when they walk and they walk right into the dining room. But then I, as I was yeah. watching, I thought, no, maybe they don't. But well, the room look the room looks lighter. It, it usually it's, usually looks darker. Yeah, we we had to, we had to do the gag where she tries to hide her coffee cup in her purse, and then her mom immediately sees it and pulls it out. Yeah, that's that was a great. <laughs> she has to be caffeinated to deal with her parents. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, so then she walks in, and we and we realize why Emily hadn't minded Rory mm-hmm. not attending because she's fixing her up. She's fixing yep. up her daughter with Chase, whose Chase. name is almost as bad as Tristan. Chase in the actuarial business. I feel like Chase would be a great name for a dog. Yep, Tristan might too. Yeah. But yeah, Chase in the actuarial business. And you know, it's it's um telling that you compare him to Tristan because I think if there is a man in this show that I hate more than Tristan, it is this man. He yeah. is so creepy and so boring. Everything he says makes my skin crawl. The way that he oh, yeah. looks at her makes my skin crawl. <laughs> oh, by the like, way, I just got I just got your dog joke. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Chase, yeah. Chase. It would be a good name for a dog. Good name Very for a good. Dog, right? <laughs> Actually, I was just watching a dog outside the window next door. And that's what made me think, oh, oh Chase. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, anyway. the great thing about this scene is that Lorelai is not alone in her distaste for this man yeah. or her horror that he that she is being set up. Her mm-hmm. father is with her on this. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like the guy. He doesn't understand why he is invading their family dinner. Mm-hmm. It, it is not something Richard wants to deal with. Yeah, I also, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I feel like um, this also has at least a little bit of this kind of ongoing background story with Richard where they're in a very similar business. I don't think Richard is literally an actuary, but actuaries work for insurance companies and Richard yes. is in the insurance business. Yeah. And I was thinking is... at first, why isn't why doesn't he think he has more to talk to this guy about? So Well, I think Richard is because this was happening a little bit in the episode where he had a heart attack. Richard is starting to feel like younger men are replacing him in the workplace. Oh and actuarial science may be a more modern science. Because mm-hmm. he and he says, No, I don't do that. I actually shake hands and and make yeah. make business contacts, and he's more on the sales end of it, and he he manages the in the relationships, yeah. and he's a relationship builder rather than an actuarial scientist, which is actually a very difficult field to break into. It's yeah. pretty smart. Real it's, actuaries it's a, yeah. have to have to do like a whole series of tests. It's it's like you have to do. Yeah. This like test every couple of years or something to like keep going in the business and to move There's up. A, There's a lot of math in it, but it's also yeah. uh, it's also statistical, mm-hmm. and um and there there are degrees in it. And I think 
I could be wrong, but it seems like when Simon, your brother, was in high school, there was a friend of his who was going to, was wanted to become an actuarial scientist. It's not what, anyway, <laughs> actuary. And there were only three schools in the country at that point that had these mm. programs. One of them is in St. Louis. So he was able to go and he got into it, but it, um, he was accepted into it. So it, it's, a, it's not an easy field. So yeah. the, the guy is right, I guess, to be proud of himself, you know, but he also feels like he should be able to connect, connect with Richard and Richard's not having it. Yeah. Richard is not interested in this guy. Uh, I, I think it's at least partly because he feels like this guy represents, you know, the, the movement in the business that's replacing him. But I do also feel like Richard is maybe also just like bored by this dude. Cause this dude. Yeah. Sucks, he's sucks. boring. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's boring. boring. He's creepy. The way that he I mean, talks to Lorelai is weird. <laughs> and you know, Richard may be boring in some ways too, but he reads. Yeah. He's able to discuss literature with his granddaughter. And he's always reading the newspaper. He stays on top of things. You just don't get the sense that Chase is going to be somebody who can discuss Chesterton with him. That's the yeah. guy in the book, right, that they had, that he bought the, the first, was it Chesterton? Uh, I don't think it was Chesterton, um, but I'm sure he has read Chesterton. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he I, probably has. <laughs> yeah. I, but yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember the I name. I thought it was, but anyway, it's, it was the first edition. And well, it, anyways, it was someone so, that I haven't read and I've read Chesterton. That's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Old. All right. But yeah, Emily is the only one who is actually interested in talking to Chase. And you can tell that it's more just like Emily is good at dinner parties and is good at kind of buttering people up. And she has decided to use this opportunity. It's it's honestly kind of a weird moment from Emily. Like I, I do totally believe that she would try to set Lorelai up. But it's kind of weird to me that she thinks that after all of her failures at controlling Lorelai, that she's going to get Lorelai to get with this guy when this guy is like very clearly nothing that Lorelai wants. I, I don't know. I mean, but maybe it, she just thinks he's that more, success, more successful than Christopher is. So sure. I think actually Emily actually thinks she's doing a very nice thing for her daughter. And when you were saying that she's good at, at these kind of dinner parties, she's good at bringing people together and making yes. connections for them. And and I think that's what she feels like she's doing here. But Lorelai is talking nonstop because she she is so, she's just astounded at what's going on here and her mother. And so she's yeah. talking nonstop and Richard is flummoxed by Lorelai's yeah. nonstop talking. And, and he doesn't know what to do with Chase either. Neither one yeah. of them do. Richard is bored, but he's bored with the guys, bored with the actuarial business, and it doesn't get any better as the evening goes on. Yeah, and okay, I only wrote down one of the specifics. Oh, no, oh, actually, I, I did write down a couple of the things that this guy said. Because at, at one point, Chase says, No, no, Lorelai. And I literally wrote, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, I hate this man. <laughs> yeah. He's, he sounds like he's talking to a child. No, no, Lorelai. Like, he sounds like he's a, a, a performer at a children's party or something. It's, it's so weird. He's got such a macho... He doesn't have a macho look, but he's got a macho attitude. So he yeah. he says to her... Now, he's in somebody else's house, but he says to her, can I get you a drink? He's not the host. And mm -hmm. she says, yeah, I'll have gin. And he says, and... and with it and she says nothing yes. <laughs> just gin and then richard says make that too mm -hmm. <laughs> or she's, yeah. me too but the gall this guy to think that yeah. it's okay to, to offer her a drink in somebody else's in home. Her own home so the, or in the her other own thing home. yeah the or yeah the, the other thing that i wrote down that he said is uh he's he's talking about why he might want to live in hartford and he says Hartford has all the cosmopolitan big city benefits of New York without actually having to live in New York. And I lived in Connecticut for four years, and I've been to Hartford in New York. They are not the same. No. <laughs> and Hartford is not a big city. It is a very no. small city. It's a it small is city. Maybe the smallest city that actually qualifies as a city in the continental United States. <laughs> um, I think a lot of cities on the East Coast and these smaller states are smaller, with the exception yeah. of New York. Um, and I mean, St. Louis is huge. And, yeah. you know, the further west you go, <laughs> the cities get bigger because it because, you know, they're these old, these other cities are on these coasts are all older. They're mm -hmm. older. So they're smaller. They just never got built out. The states are small. And so I wonder what the population in Hartford is. It'd be interesting to know. Yeah, but I'm it is not a very sure, small. But 
It's very small. It's got like one it's of the, the absolute smallest airports yeah, in the yeah, country. Very small. Like the the only other airport that I've been to that was uh, a similar size was this like teeny tiny airport in California that was like the fourth airport around Los Angeles or something. Um, but but it's one in Anaheim or no Orange County? Orange County, I think it was in yeah, Orange yeah. County. Yeah, yeah, that's a small one. Teeny tiny, S- same size as the Hartford <laughs> Airport, basically. And the, the thing is, like, saying that Hartford has all this, the cosmopolitan big city benefits as New York is just straightforwardly not true. New York has things that are open 24-7. Hartford is one of those places that's so small that everything shuts down by 9 or 10. Oh, like, by 5 maybe even. <laughs> maybe even, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just, it's just, it, it's just such a weird thing for him to say. Like, it, it would make more sense if he said, like, Hartford would mean that I would live near New York City uh, and be able to go there without actually having to live there. Like, he that makes just, more sense. He just wants to get into her pants. I mean, he's yeah. taking one look at her. She's gorgeous. She, her parents are wealthy. That's all he's seeing. He does. He'll say anything. So, and, and I think it's also just like he just doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just he's just a blowhard. Yeah, he's a blowhard. That's for sure. Oh man, I mean, he would offer her a drink in her own home. So yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Um, but anyway, but <laughs> so yeah, that's, but... In, that's not going well. Uh, Lorelai's week is not getting any better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to point out this is the course of just a couple of days here, and it's just bad it's one bad scene for her after another so but she does she does manage to escape and we can talk about the rory and dean stuff in a second but i figure we can just get through this side of things uh she kind of runs off to her room and richard comes to get her and she basically begs him to let her run away and she says that guy is so boring and richard kind of considers her for a second and then calls back to emily saying that lorelei's not in here allowing her to run away and that's honestly i think it's maybe the kindest thing that richard has done in the whole show so far it is it is the best thing he's done as a father and as a human Mm -hmm. being he and he and he knows when he lets her go that he's gonna be stuck with chase the rest of the night Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so it's a very kind thing to do for his daughter also it kind of shows that he's really beginning to understand her she yeah. would be so bored with this guy and yeah. he knows that he this yeah. guy is not good enough for her christopher mm-hmm. may have been good enough yeah. and this but this guy yeah he's not good yeah enough. i mean i i feel like if christopher could just like become a responsible person that he and lorelei probably would have been a pretty good match they clearly have a ton in common and lorelei enjoys mm-hmm. his company so then we see another dinner with rory and dean in yes. this tiny table that i mean i mean it's probably not even two feet across two feet in Mm -hmm. diameter and and they start talking about all the food they've had they ordered multiple kinds of pasta but somehow they three three kinds of pasta pasta. because she couldn't decide maybe they came out in tiny little bowls or maybe they he didn't order anything and they and they just shared the three plates of pasta i don't know but first of all that's a lot of pasta and there was there was not enough room on that table for three plates of pasta no there was not and she brings a meatball home to Lorelai, which is some yes. sort of joke from earlier that I a joke that I don't right remember, now. but something to yeah, because I, 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 it, it might have been a Lady in the Tramp reference. Oh, that's right. She says, oh, it'd be so cute. You'll be sitting there and you'll have the spaghetti string across it. Mm -hmm. And and then something about a meatball. I I, I, I don't remember what she says about the meatball. It was supposed to be funny, but it didn't grab my attention until they brought it up again here. And she does get a meatball to go. To go. Oddly, does not take any of the pasta home. Mm-hmm. So it's she takes the meatball home to her mother as a gift or a joke. Since Lorelai doesn't get dinner, she's going to need that meatball. But they ate the whole three plates of pasta? Really? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so that's their dinner. And then afterward, Dean has a surprise for Rory and brings her to a junkyard uh, where he shows her what appears to be a kind of rusted out hunk of junk but he tells her that it's a, a car that he is going to build for her they they climb in the car together and rory is having a great time she says that she's having a perfect moment and then dean says i love you for the first time and rory totally freezes up and they have a huge fight it freaks her out it really does yeah. and you know what after three months it probably would have me too what are you going to say to that i mean she's like this is her first boyfriend first First guy she's ever dated she's 
16, I guess. We have to give in to that, even though she was 16 at the beginning. Hannah's had a birthday since then. She's forever 16. Oh, and the, and the, the car is a mess. So yeah. he, he's, he's building this car for her out of junk pieces. And she's really impressed by that. I'm not. I'm like... What the hell? This doesn't even look like a car. It's not, not going to start. There's no place to sit. It's full of trash. I mean, you couldn't clean the back seat out, the trash out from the back seat before you show it to her. <laughs> the, the door's barely open. Um, I mean, he has to jump in on his side. So anyway, mm-hmm. it's, it's adorable, and yet it's kind of creepy. And it's even creepier when he says, when he tells her that he loves her. Yeah. That's that's just a really... I Yeah, I, I have really mixed feelings about this scene. First of all, it becomes very clear when he says, I love you, that like, actually, this was not necessarily about their third month anniversary. Mm-hmm. This whole thing was clearly him kind of like building up to this moment. And, you know, on the one hand, I think there are a lot of people who would find that really sweet and romantic. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it is my personal philosophy that if you are going to say, I love you to someone, it should be said with no strings attached. You should not be saying it with expecting the expectation. Yeah. That they're going to say it back. It should be an you expression. You don't know. Yeah, you don't know. And, you don't and, know, it's not and you even, can't control how someone else feels. No, and not only that, but in this case, she may very well love him, but mm-hmm. she's very young, and she's she's more immature than her chronological age mm-hmm. would would suggest. Although, when I look back at myself as a 16-year-old, I was pretty immature, too. So, oh, yeah. 16 is a baby. And oh, yeah. he has had a girlfriend before. We've talked about mm-hmm. this before. He dated somebody seriously. So he may be ready to say, I love you, but she's, it's not even on her horizon. I mean, she's well, and, like, there's nothing there. And because she likes he him. Planned, she likes yeah, him. She likes him. She cares about him a lot. But like, because he planned this whole night and he knew that he was going to say, I love you, he had time to get ready for that and to feel yes. like he was ready for that. She didn't know that's where this was heading. No. So and and it, she, it speaks about his own immaturity that he can't see that. So yes. he says, I love you. He expects her to be all gaga. Oh, I love you too. And she doesn't. And he is yeah. offended. And yeah. it's like, really? He's you, really you mad. You think you're, you're so mature, mature that you can build a car and tell a girl you love her, but you can't. You can't accept that maybe she's not ready to say that. Doesn't mean that she doesn't feel it. Mm-hmm. Just that she doesn't even know what it means. Yeah. What does yeah. it even mean? Why do you? Why would you say something just to make the other person feel better when you really aren't sure and you don't know what it means? What does it yeah. mean? Yeah. And like I will say, like I think that I think it's totally realistic that he would have this reaction. Yeah, probably. He, he is. He's a sixteen-year-old boy, and from his perspective, he feels like he's been rejected. And and I have some sympathy for it too. I mean, I, I was do, never yeah. in this position as a sixteen year old, but sixteen year olds are not mature. They don't know how to handle their emotions, and I certainly was not any more mature than this when I was sixteen. And you know, when you feel rejected, it's hard not to lash out. But that being said, li- like I said, it, it is kind of I, I am of the opinion that if you are going to if you're in a new relationship and you're going to say I love you to the other person, you kind of need to give yourself a pep talk and make sure that you understand on a base level that when you say this you are saying it to express your own feelings and not to elicit a specific reaction out of the other person that is exactly right and in fact you could even preface it by saying i need to say this to you but i don't expect you to say it back and here it is and and that's that's the fairest way to be Mm -hmm. and then when if if and when she's ready she'll say it to you she may never be ready. She may graduate from high school, go off to college, and never see you again. So it's really unfair of him to put her in this position with no yeah. warning yeah. and knowing how inexperienced and, and innocent she is. So this is a very, it's it's not a difficult scene. It's a maddening well, scene It's to a me. maddening scene. And, and like, and honestly, I feel like this is one of the few times that Rory does a really good job of explaining exactly what she's feeling because she tells him, like, I didn't grow up with married parents and to me, I have to think about the whole concept yeah. of love before I can decide if I can say it to you you know she, she's, she's very articulate about, about her feelings yeah yeah it's great. And, 
and you can kind of tell that some of this is fresh for her because Christopher was just here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she's, yeah, she's very clear about how, you know, she isn't sure how she feels about even saying it because she didn't have it modeled for her by her parents and because her mm-hmm. parents have never committed to each other. You know, it's, it's about commitment as much as it is about the feeling. Yeah. And, you know, this whole story really is a coming-of-age story for Rory. And in yeah. this moment, you really experience that coming-of-age trauma <laughs> yeah. that she's going through because she has changed schools. Her father has come back into the picture. Her mother has dated her teacher. She started dating somebody. Her relationship mm-hmm. with Lane is changing as a result of that. Her whole world has changed this year. And now this boy tells her he loves her. And what is yep. she supposed to do with that? It's a lot. And it's That's kind of un- unfair of him to demand that she say it back right in that moment. So then well, before... I would- Couple before we go any further, there's a couple things okay. that we missed in the in the in the scene with with Chase that I think we should bring up here because that was this one was really serious that we just talked yeah. about. So let's let's throw a little bit of humor in here. I will freely admit that I did not take a lot of notes about Chase because he skeeved well, me out so much. So go so go uh, ahead. Yeah. Well, and our and our conversation about him was you know was was we were just feeding off of each other. So it was it was a great conversation. But I did write a few things down. He says, I think he says this to Lorelai. He's trying to explain, you know, what what actuarial science is. And she, he says, I could practically pinpoint the day you're going to die. I wrote that down because it made me laugh. And he's, uh, that, that is what an, an actuarial guy does. So yeah. I can't get that word out, actuary. That's actuary. what an actuary does, yeah. So it also Richard, throughout this dinner, is reading the newspaper at the dinner table. <laughs> yeah. Have we ever seen him do that before? I mean, from beginning to end, until until Lorelai goes upstairs. He's reading the newspaper at yeah, the dinner I table. Mean, and Emily usually, doesn't say anything. Emily yeah. doesn't, you know, so yeah. He's, he's usually got it before dinner, but you're right. I don't think he ever has it at the dinner table like he does in this scene. He's, mm-hmm. The contempt he has for this guy is just like right there. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, that's a great visual to, to showcase that. So anyway, moving uh, back moving back to the uh, the where we are in the episode. We get to the festival again, and we don't have to talk about this that much, but we get a little moment with Suki and Jack. Jackson and Jackson says, Suki, you know what I'm thinking about right now? And she oh, responds, no. or do you think <laughs> that time I roasted some red peppers over the stove burner and singed off my eyebrows? <laughs> it's great. That is that is the comic relief that we really needed. Yep. <laughs> so then there's a visual comic relief too when they're out they're outside again. I can't remember what's going on in the foreground because the only thing I wrote down was that behind Rory walks Lane with her date and 11 people in his family. I counted them. So 11 people in his family are on this very Korean date Mm -hmm. with the future chiropractor. It's like a small somber parade. (laughs) And they just walk past her and Lane kind of looks over to her real quick and looks back and... (laughs) That is probably Uh, the best visual in the whole episode. uh, Then we get Rachel's other scene, the Rachel's final scene in the episode. She's taking pictures of people at the uh, festival and Luke asks her, Luke comes up and asks her if the pictures are going well. And she says, yes, the firelight really changes people. And then he makes a joke about how it's either that or it's like the founder's punch which is full of alcohol. Yeah. Um, I, I did have I did have a note. There's like, when when we first see her taking pictures, I mean, you know, the show is 20 years old. The camera that she's using thus is 20 years old. And she's kind of continuously moving while she's taking some of these pictures. Mm-hmm. Do you know if that would have worked with a camera like that? Would those pictures so, have come out at all? Yeah, 2001, it could have been a digital camera. It's hard to say. There were digital SLRs back then. And... It could have been a film camera, and she's just planning. She, maybe she's got a roll of thirty six in it, and she's just planning to, to, yeah. to. But yeah, you had to be more careful when you were shooting with film than when you were shooting with uh, on a digital camera. But digital cameras were around. I'm trying. I think one of, a friend of ours who was a photographer had one. He loved it. He 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 took a lot of pictures with it and, and thought the digital pictures were just as good as film and he made the switch right away so so who knows what she's doing but i think it's uh it's something that you see a lot in movies 
even in even in the in the film era, I think you could see you would see camera photographers, you know, clicking away and moving their bodies in different positions and and uh, yeah, I and guess clicking just, away. It's a visual. It looks to me like she's not pausing even as she's taking the picture. So it just feels mm-hmm. like a lot of these pictures are going to be blurry and unfocused. You know. <laughs> well, yeah. But maybe she's just not a very good photographer. Well, you know? and it, is it dark? I can't remember. Is it nighttime? It is nighttime. Yeah. So she's probably using. She's if there's no flash, she's using, yeah. um, you know, sen- highly sensitive film, 400 yeah. ASA or whatever, and that is going to blur. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good point. <laughs> but we're nitpicking. Anyway. But yeah, uh, she, Rachel and Luke sit on a bench for a little bit, and then, uh, oh, and she and asks she, him about Lorelai. And then he tells her about the punch, and she goes off to get some punch. Yeah, right? and she, yeah. yeah, and he she does ask him about Lorelai. She says something like, "If we're being blunt, then like tell me the truth about what's up with Lorelai." And he, mm-hmm. he says, "I don't know." Yeah, he basically says, "I don't know." I so, sometimes it feels like maybe something, but I, I don't really know. Yeah, and so then she leaves, and Lorelai comes and replaces her. And it's such a sweet scene because he basically gives Luke permission to resume his relationship with Rachel, and kind of encourages. It and asked asked him really nice questions, even though her heart is breaking because all these people around her have been making out and on dates, and she can't even get Max on the phone. He hasn't called her, so but she gives Luke permission to do what he needs to do to make himself happy. Yeah, and I kind of feel like there was this sort of air of like it felt like she also was just sort of assuming that he would want to get back together with Rachel, which I understand why she's assuming that, but to be honest. I wouldn't assume that because he was pretty hurt by Rachel leaving before. And I don't, I mean, you know, that doesn't mean that his feelings for her have disappeared, but he just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would automatically get back together with someone that he felt had on some level betrayed him. And And he may not, but Lorelai can't come at this from that angle because if she comes across as somebody who's, who's trying to get him to remember how much this mm-hmm. woman hurt him and and to feel bad about it that's not going to put her in a very good light and actually it doesn't even matter it's not in her personality she yeah. she's just not somebody who's ever going to do that that's not who Lorelai is she wants Luke to be happy yes I mean she wants to be happy herself as well but she would never put her happiness above uh at his expense yeah. so she wants him to be happy. She can see that this is something he needs to think about and consider. And she gives him permission to do that. But she asks some questions and gets him to admit how that he would be open to it. But of course, we're sitting here watching this and thinking, she's just going to break your heart again. This this woman is just going to, you're going to, yeah. she's going to get back into your life. She's going to leave again because that's who she is. And, and she, it's actually a reversal of typical male and female roles. Yeah. A lot yeah, of times sure. it's it's in, in TV and films, it's a... It's the man who is in that role. So I kind of, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of, I'm kind of interested in Rachel as a character. Um, But yeah, like I'm thinking she's going to leave him again, not just because of who she is, but also because her coming here in the first place was kind of a whim. She's between assignments. It's like, really? You're between assignments and you come back for the first time in 10 years to re-break this man's heart? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like she has come back to get back together with him and settle down and get married. It feels like she wants some entertainment while she's taken a, a short break from her real life of globetrotting. And to give her credit, it could be that the globetrotting life is lonely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it, I don't I don't mean this to be judgmental. I think her life sounds cool. <laughs> I agree. I'm not being judgmental either. I think she I think we get that from her that she's yeah. not, that she's exploring this because mm-hmm. maybe she is lonely and yeah. or maybe there have been relationships but nothing's really really caught and this town has a feel to it. It's it's it's, it's kind of home. Mm-hmm. It's got a home feel to it. It makes her comfortable. It's soothing. And so maybe, and I, I can't remember what happens in the next several episodes, but maybe something has happened that she needs to relax and have something stable maybe for yeah. a while. And that's yeah. what she's seeing. But then if she's got this great career, she's probably going to want to at some point go back to it. Yeah. And, you know, I can't really blame her for wanting to go back to Luke because Luke is great. Mm-hmm. But I will say that if what she wants is essentially just like an occasional fling buddy, Luke is the wrong person to do that with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is the opposite he, of that he's kind looking- of she- 
She could do that with Christopher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she, she and Christopher would be great together. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so then Lorelai goes home and attempts to call Max, and we hear his uh, answering machine pick up, but she does not leave a message because she is interrupted by Rory, who has come home crying and tells her that she and Dean have broken up. So we don't know what happened, if if anything else happened when they leave the junkyard. She's still sitting in the car, and he leaves, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little bit odd because they didn't say in that scene that they were breaking up, though it was clearly a very big fight, and he did kind of walk away from her and so did, did she run after him we don't we don't know we don't know yeah, if anything sure. else happened or she's assuming that they've broken up because of the fight because yeah. again she's very inexperienced she doesn't understand that this is a fight and not the end of things or whether it is and he does say some stuff that kind of implies that he does want to break mm-hmm. up this is what he wants and yeah. if she doesn't want it then maybe they shouldn't be together something like that can't exactly yeah, what he so, says, something like that yeah yeah and the, and the like the unfortunate implication of it is kind of like either you say i love you back or i'm gonna break up with you yeah and she doesn't do it so i guess she assumes that they have broken up yeah um we don't know how she gets home we don't know where the, the junkyard is yeah you know it's that there's a lot of untold story here so yeah and i believe the next episode is called the breakup part two so i'm assuming that we're going to kind of continue this storyline moving Mm -hmm. forward but that's that's all we get for today that's how we get to for today and i don't really have a summary because i don't really know what to think about this episode i think it is a coming of age thing for rory that's it's kind of a a step along the, the path that she's on And it's an important one uh, in lots of ways. It's also an important one for Lorelai, who also is coming of age, kind of, in in a different way during this first season where she's realizing that her child is growing up and she she does need to make some kind of a a life for herself going forward. Is that going to be Max? Is that going to be Christopher? Is that going to be Luke? Is it going to be none of them? Uh, Is she just going to be a single woman the rest of her life? She just has questions, too. There's a lot that's unanswered and open-ended. And as opposed to what Rory's going through, she knows what she wants. She's she's got her future mapped out. Of course, we know Mm -hmm. that a lot of what she wants to have happen doesn't doesn't happen in the show. But she does know what she wants. And Lorelai really doesn't. So that's kind of what she's going through and she's we're seeing that in, in this episode. So it's all it's also a Chilton one. There's a little bit of Chilton in it. A little bit There's of a little yeah. bit of family. So, you know, we, we there te- tend to be town episodes, Chilton episodes and family episodes as you have mentioned several times. And this is all of them in this one. Yeah. And this one is definitely a very open ended episode. We kind of introduce a couple of storylines and don't really uh close out on any of them except hopefully mm-hmm. Chase. But you know, we're we're kind of introducing the idea that Lorelai maybe wants to get back together with Max, though he doesn't actually show up in this episode. Yeah. And then we're in- introducing Rachel, and we're introducing the idea of Rory and Dean's breakup and not really resolving any of these things. And we also introduce the idea that Richard actually seemed to understand his daughter in yes. this episode. Richard goes to look for her, finds her climbing out the window, escaping, and does not turn her into to Emily. I, I, that's yeah. just a real, that's a growth. I mean, that's yes. a that huge step forward for Richard. And it, it's probably because it's, it comes out of his own experience with this guy. He understands why Lorelai wants to get away. And usually he can't. He, he yeah. does not understand why she doesn't want the life he wants. He's kind of got an inkling here. This young guy, this Chase guy, is not, he's boring. I, I wonder if Richard is actually thinking for the first time, I wonder if everybody in our circle is boring. I, you know, <laughs> I would I would like yeah. to give Richard that that kind of credit. So yeah. um, interesting right. episode. Yeah. Okay, so that, dear listeners, is all for today. I'm Tessa Dare. You can find me at my website, tessadare.com, where you can sign up for my email list, or you can follow me on Instagram at author.tess.adare or on TikTok at author.tess.adare. And if you want to support us on Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash where you lead. And I'm Beth Von Baron. You can follow me on Instagram at STL underscore writer underscore Beth. Or sign up for my weekly Substack email, Saturday Morning Musings, at stlwriterbeth.substack.com. I am getting ever closer to getting my novel finished with the editing. Tess has been doing a, a great job with that, and hopefully... 
at some point in the future, it'll be ready to be published. So this is, <laughs> we'll see. This has been Where You Lead, our fun and witty podcast about the Gilmore Girls from the perspective of a mother and daughter. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll tune in for our next episode in two weeks. See you then.